Welcome to Failed Architecture Breeze Blocks, where our editors share their thoughts on works in progress, urgent matters, and current happenings in architecture and spatial politics. My name is Maria Mazzanti. In this episode, I'm joined by Failed Architecture editors Juana Salcedo, Maria Victoria Londoño Becerra, and Rene Boer to discuss the concept of a smooth city. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining me today. I would like to ask you to quickly introduce yourselves to our listeners. Hi, I'm Maria Victoria. I'm also an editor. We already introduced ourselves in the previous episode, so we're going to keep talking about comfort and discomfort. Hi, I'm Juana. And hey, I'm, I'm Rene. Um, I'm also part of Field Architecture. Thank you guys for a, a brief, quick introduction for our listeners. As Maria Victoria just mentioned, the idea that we are going to discuss uh, the concept of a smooth city, that is something that comes from Rene's work or body of work. Uh, but we're going to frame it in the in the, just the discussions we're having and the series that we are now planning around this around the idea of discomfort and architecture. So I think probably the easiest way to start is asking Rene, what is this smooth city? Yeah, thanks. Well, great we're having this conversation. I think it would be really interesting to, uh, yeah, to test a little bit how these two concepts relate to each other. Um, I think, yeah, the Smooth City is a research that started a few years ago. Uh, and basically, it looks into how cities around the world uh, are undergoing this process of perfection, optimization, are becoming much more efficient, controlled beautified, sanitized, pretified, right? So uh, become these really uh, fantastic, smooth and perfect kind of urban environments. And um, I think we see that uh, really around the world happening and it's we can see it as uh, quite of a historical change in cities. Uh, I mean, for a very long time, many cities around the world used to be in pretty bad shape, being very dilapidated. And uh, yeah, this idea that the city is something that is like really perfect and optimized, uh, I think is relatively new. And I think it also poses a big problems to um, yeah, what cities can do uh, and how we live together in, uh, in cities. So, uh, and there's a bit of a contradiction uh, here in the sense that we think that yeah, the city being perfect is actually great, but I think it's not. I think uh, there's, a, uh, there's a big problem uh, actually there. Yeah. So. We know there is a book coming out about this topic, right? Yeah, exactly. But yeah. you have already done some research about it. And there is this article that is amazing that is called The Smooth City in the New Urban, in which you already start addressing all these issues about the smooth uh, city and what does it mean to have a sanitized urban space, right? Uh, and it's very interesting in that text how you address uh, the issue about what is it that is left outside of the smooth city and how is it that the smooth city exists by itself precisely because everything that is not as clean can belong to the smooth city uh, is, is uh, producing somehow the possibilities of existence of that yeah, of that sanitized urban space. So I don't know if you can tell us something else about this counter um, yeah. So, so I think w what we see is that like, especially the centers of like main urban centers around the world are, are becoming so smooth, but um, this, this, it definitely has a downside, right? So it really relies on, let's say, an unsmooth condition elsewhere. Uh, so all the investments in the smooth city 
are uh, one side of a coin, of which the other side is obviously the disinvestment of other areas. So this smoothness is also being produced, right? And like in my book, I also discuss how this smoothness depends on this kind of matrix of control. It needs to be like renovated and cleaned and, um, and maintained like all the time. And But for example, the, the people who do that, obviously uh, in many cases, don't live in the smooth city themselves, but often live in other areas, right? Or all the products that people need to surround themselves with comfort and convenience in the smooth city uh, are often produced in urban environments that can be seen as, as not so smooth, right? Uh, and I think this, uh, yeah, there is a very uh, yeah, important duality here. So I wonder uh, if you can explain to our audience, like, how you developed your book, how it is composed of, and how sure. uh, yeah. you develop your argument. Yeah, sure. So, I mean, the book consists of various parts. I mean, first of all, it really tries to describe what the smooth city looks like, right? And how we encounter the smooth city nowadays. And in a very superficial way, this is about like how uh, its buildings, its public spaces, but also its people have been perfect in many ways. And also what you don't see in the smooth city. So the voids, the, the discontent, everything, uh, all these kind of things have been like designed away, right? To, to optimize this, this, this picture perfect uh, kind of image. Um, and then it goes on to discuss all the mechanisms that really maintain the smoothness uh, on, an, on an everyday basis, right? So not, um, notions around private ownership, but also the role of urban planning, the role of all these new technologies around the smart city that optimize this, this smoothness, the role of design it is, of course. Um, then it goes on to describe like a different how, how it functions this smoothness so how it becomes hegemonic how it creates a certain uh, like these homogeneous zones in the city how it becomes inescapable uh, how it is really difficult to avoid the smooth city as it is as it is growing how it works as a social imperative so um, you have to follow the, the line of the smooth city otherwise a certain discomfort will emerge how all of this is being scripted into the urban environment, how people internalize it. So it, it has a lot of different kind of components. And I also dwell on, let's say, the wider, um, let's say, global developments that have really pushed this, um, the rise of the smooth city, which um, vary from, let's say, the rise of neoliberal urbanism of the last two to three decades, uh, but also the fact that people now all want to live in the cities, creating this like kind of push on the urban environment, and also this broader smooth turn that you see in, in general uh, culture, I would say. So this, the, the focus on smoothness in all parts of our, uh, of our lives. And also, yeah, then I also try to say a few things about why I think the smooth city is a problem. And maybe also like, uh, I hope to highlight some ways how we can move beyond. So I, I wanted to just follow up on that, um, on what you mentioned about the function, right? The, the, nor the normative function that is given to this smooth city. And what is it that is required? I mean, for a function to exist, there must exist some functional subject able to, to perform that function, right? Mm. And so I am wondering, what is it? Like, who, who, are, who are the people that inhabit, if you can singularize it somehow, who are the people that inhabit on, or what, what is it that it is demanded from people in order to inhabit this 
uh, this smooth city. You mentioned already that there is some wideness, of course, but I'm, I'm wondering if there is also there, for instance, some demands of uh, certain sexual preferences or if on the contrary, if, if there is, for instance, the tokenizing to of queerness in the smooth city as a way of navigating the city or if queerness actually does not fit into the smooth city. Like, I'm just yeah, yeah. curious about it. Yeah, so what I think you see in the in the smooth city that a lot of let's say norms that are already dominant in society are really like very strictly inscribed in the spaces uh, of the city, uh, and that it's uh, and it becomes really hard to avoid them, but because of the there's no lack. Uh, there's a lack of voids, there's a lack of ways to uh, to go beyond certain norms. Everything is like uh, be becoming this like smooth, homogenous, perfect kind of surface um, that really uh, demands these kind of norms to align yourself with it. And at the moment that you uh, disalign uh, with these dominant norms, uh, there is immediately some kind of disorientation uh, as Sara Ahmed uh, describes uh, really nice, or a sense of discomfort if we stay within the topic of this uh, of this conversation. And um, and I think what, um, what what Sara Ahmed really beautifully describes, for example, that if uh, so, like through uh, in the smooth city, I think in the way like how space is being reorganized in the smooth city, uh, inevitably there will be. Um, in a smooth city will be um, predominantly inhabited by white people or as proximate uh, as white as possible. Uh, and by the continuous presence of white bodies in the smooth city, uh, there will be um, this white kind of whiteness is being inscribed in uh, its public spaces. And if uh, you, for example, don't uh, fit this specific norm, and it, we can look into all kinds of aspects, also sexual orientation, as you mentioned, of course, if the if the heterosexual norm is being inscribed everywhere in this smooth city, being not heterosexual immediately creates a sense of, of deviation, of not being aligned with, the, let's say, the straight lines of the smooth city, um, making you, yeah, making it very obvious you don't fit in. And yeah, I think this is, uh, I mean, like on the one hand, we can say this creates a kind of uh, discomfort or disorientation, uh, but this disorientation can even uh, be more extreme, right? To the point that it, we can describe it as a violent process. If a space is strictly heterosexual and really kind of is fixated on these kind of norms, deviating from that, I think is, uh, yeah, uh, can, be, uh, can be experienced as very violent. I have a question you were mentioning before when you were talking about the structure of the book, René. You mentioned that you're also like trying to propose certain ways of like escaping this mood city. And I know the concept of porosity is something that you mentioned also in the yeah. in the previous like formative essay that you did about this mood city. But mm -hmm. could you elaborate a bit more on that idea of porosity and how maybe we could connect it as well with the idea of comfort and discomfort or like navigating comfort and discomfort in a way that is productive? in the yeah, way yeah, we definitely. build cities. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so my thinking on this has also evolved a little bit. Um, I now actually want to continue on this notion of queering also. Um, and like being queer in a smooth city um, is being uh, experienced as some kind of friction, definitely. But maybe we can indeed also make this friction productive again. So if everything is smooth and perfect, um, we can also think about like creating this friction again to maybe um, yeah, put some tension in this smooth city and try to create some 
first cracks in this this very polished and smooth surface and um and the way how i describe it now i think is that querying is a way to yeah like kind of make the first scratches in the smoothness and from there on hopefully uh, i think you also need to think of a strategy maybe to sustain um, these these kind of scratches and open the cracks a bit wider, right? And I think then we can look at the notion of commoning as a way to collectively sustain these kind of gaps in the in the smooth city. And I think that is all from a, a bottom up uh, kind of perspective. Um, and indeed, like when there's the first holes in the smooth city, and we can talk about a certain porosity. So I think then also for others, there is an opportunity to attach yourself to the city again, right? When there's everything is like smooth and repellent, there is no way that you can, uh, I don't know, add your own little addition to the city or like find a way how you connect to the city. But when there is like certain gaps, you can yeah, hold on to the city again, uh, attach yourself to it and yeah, and be part of its, of its development. And then I think what is, yeah, it's also interesting to think about the role of, let's say, the design, the, mid, the more top-down role of the designer, the planner, um, the architect maybe, or even, I don't know, the real estate developer, if we dare say, but all these kind of more top-down roles um, that could think about uh, maybe finding ways to then sustain this porosity, right? So when this uh, the porosity has been created from a, a bottom-up kind of movement and maybe on the individual role, maybe... Um, through is like very uh, direct forms of querying, then we can have think about how from this top-down perspective, this porosity can be sustained and to make sure it's not immediately erased, but maybe to allow it to flourish this, these forms of porosity. Yeah, thank you. I, I really love this idea of like making cracks, like making it permeable somehow. Yeah. And I really like how also Ahmed develops this idea, right? Like when, when you do not fit in the space, what you are actually doing is enlarging the scripts, like making making your own space somehow. It, it is violent. She does not describe it as a smooth movement. On the contrary, it's yeah. a movement of friction, right? Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, yeah. And I really love that idea. But I also somehow ask myself all the time how, like, in this type of systems in which everything tends to be reabsorbed, right, in which it, it mm. works as a monster that monetizes and makes everything profitable and reinscribe it, right, in inside so that it can make it part of it. So I'm curious how to how how can we if how can we think of alternative ways of not not allowing these frictions to be reabsorbed i'm thinking i always think of this example in colombia in bogota at one point the mayor of bogota gave some specific spaces to graffiti makers so that they could make their graffitis you know and that totally disrupts what a graffiti is about a graffiti is precisely interruption of the urban landscape yeah. or of the, you know, it's like, it's unexpected, it's eventful. Um, so giving a particular space in the city, it's already reabsorbing it somehow, making it part of it. Oh, look, you want to be disruptive? Come and be disruptive with us. Yeah, of course. So yeah. I, am, I am wondering how is it that we can think precisely in the margins or trying to avoid that um, and if it is possible or if it's not, or if it's just simply part yeah. of this enlarging, enlarging the norms, if it's part of it and it is actually something desirable precisely because it enlarges the norms. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think you're totally right. So I think this is a big impulse of the smooth city, right? Of like incorporating like the non-smooth in its kind of smooth representations. And that not only happens in the city in many different ways. Um, I mean, think about all the many cafes, for example, in Western Europe and probably also elsewhere that have incorporated this kind of trashy, squatty kind of aesthetic, right? So like completely incorporating the aesthetics of counterculture in a very consumerist kind of environment. I think that happens on a very large scale and it, the smooth city has completely succeeded there. Um, so, and I mean, we need to be hopeful of uh, ways out of this because otherwise it's going to be very, uh, a very gloomy kind of conversation, I guess. Um, but I think like if um, making these cracks are not, are not just about aesthetics, but are always about also kind of a political dimension, I think you can always try to avoid it. So if with every crack you make, you continue to acknowledge what the political dimension of it, of it is and how it can relate to other people's interventions and how that can be a movement outside of this smoothness uh, that is connected to each other and not just isolated within, let's say, a certain consumption pattern. Yeah, I, th I think that is, yeah, I have to say that is still uh, possible. Otherwise, we have to give up on cities, I'm afraid. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I, I'm also a, a futurist in that way. Yeah. <laughs> Now that you were giving the example, Maria Victoria of Bogota, in Amsterdam, it could, for example, I was impressed the first time I saw cruising areas here that are like demarcated. So like normal gay, traditional gay areas, like, sorry, cruising areas are normally marked. There's actually even like a map outside and they say like, you cannot cruise outside of this area. And yeah. I was like, what? But this is like, you that you lose the entire point of cruising, like when you have yeah, a specific. Yeah. And I was really, like, I remember the first time I saw it. And for me, it was like understanding a little bit how Amsterdam works in terms of like the city, I don't know, kind of eating up all these things that are made happen. And suddenly yeah. it just finds a way to swallow them again into the entire system. Um, but yeah, I just wanted to share that because for me, it yeah. was like, wow. <laughs> But what makes it extra difficult, I think, uh, I think in the past there has been a lot of theorizing around like occupying the terrain vague or like the, creating the, the cracks in the city, occupying the cracks. But I think in Amsterdam, we've also moved to a point when there is, there is no abandoned buildings or cracks or, or abandoned places or voids to situate yourself in, right? So I think it also gets increasingly difficult to make this crack if everything is so perfect. Where do you start, right? If everything is so hermetically sealed and everybody is like, like continuing and uh, and following these the, these lines, the straight lines of the smooth city. Where do you make your first crack? And I think this is also maybe where we can bring the the, the broken window theory in, right? And maybe and reverse it. Uh, so who's going to make the first broken window, making it easier for a second person to also break a window? And uh, yeah. I think, I think that is that is a big question that we have in cities like Amsterdam right now. I, I wonder, like, what you say is it's very convincing, and if but if we situate ourselves on people who are usually feeling comfortable in these spaces, right? Like, mm. why? I wonder, like, how? Why is this a problem? Why? What are we missing when everything's smooth? Yeah. If for some people it feels so comfortable and always. Even like allowing graffitis, cruising, uh, even homelessness in certain areas, you know, yeah. like what can we, how, how do you see that? Like what's the argument to say, what are we missing and why do we need to see what yeah. a smooth city is obscuring? 
Yeah, thanks for bringing this up. I think it's a matter of saying, sorry, we need to embrace discomfort. <laughs> and this is, um, and you know uh, why it's important to talk about this? I think, first of all, we need to acknowledge that this, the comfort of the few people in the smooth city, uh, and I, I think we talked about this before, really relies on the people producing this comfort elsewhere, but also the people who have been expelled and are, for example, living in suboptimal housing conditions and experiencing discomfort because of other people's comfort in the smooth city, uh, but also the people who, for example, have to go to work in the smooth city um, and experience discomfort because they don't fit in the, the very uh, picture-perfect norms of the smooth city. So there's a lot of discomfort uh, because of the comfort of a few, right? So I think we first need to acknowledge that. And I think secondly, so yeah, so obviously discomfort is, is not fun, right? Uh, who wants a lack of uh, wants a lack of comfort? Um, but I think somehow we need to equalize this, let's say, the lack, this this kind of discomfort, right? So we need to to solve the the, the very discomforting kind of conditions uh, in which many people find themselves. But I think also at the same time, um, yeah, people who are in this comfortable position need to embrace the fact that living in the city, be part of an urban democracy. Um, and is is always always come with certain levels of friction, certain levels of uh, conflict, which are always part of making a democracy together, right? An urban democracy. So I think um, that people who have designed every form of discomfort away and are like surrounding themselves with convenience, of optimization, and comfort really need to reconsider the fact that if you want to relate to others in the urban environment that are different than you and shaping the city together with people that are not the same as you will always be part of will always come with some level of, of friction and disagreement and there is no way you can design that away without losing a sense of urbanity a sense of urban democracy right when when all of that is like cleaned away that means that you have some totalitarian, totalitarian state in which some people live. It's almost this kind of dystopian uh, science fiction, right? Some people live in in total perfection, uh, completely sealed off of the people who don't, right? So, um, yeah. So I think we need uh, the the people of the smooth city also need to re-embrace this this discomfort, and it's not to uh, to, to uh, yeah annoy them it's uh, because we need to embrace uh, democracy uh, within the urban scale i really think you you, you are pointing to such a um, like an opening way of seeing the city sometimes we have discussed um, about this idea that public space is the place of discomfort rather than just uh, you know is, is the place where you need to feel discomfort yeah yeah of course yeah and it's, Otherwise, uh, yeah. it's uh, just, just what you said, like totalitarian or uh, this cleaning or, or this idea that, that there is no conflict. Yeah. Um, and also on a very light level, right? The fact that you, if you're going to have some food, that you encounter food that you haven't tasted before, that is different. I mean, you might not be used to, to a taste. So it's like this first is a very slight experience of discomfort. But then you also have the, I don't know, this, the satisfaction of uh, having related to someone else, having related to someone else's culture. And yeah, so I think these kind of like encounters across certain differences 
uh, are crucial for yeah for being together in one kind of uh, urban environment. So, and this goes for public spaces, but also I don't know for interior spaces like restaurants, uh, schools. I don't know. Yeah, I, I always distrust that type of discourse about public spaces, the space without frictions, the space of pure encounter. This, no, it is precisely the space where conflict takes place, where the and yeah. where you have to experience that discomfort, right? Yeah. And if you try to avoid it, you're just well, well, we know yeah. what it comes after that. But you know, it it is it is, it is a discourse to to distrust. So yeah, no, just to say that I, I totally agree with both of you. Yeah. I mean, what's maybe important to add here is that uh, a lot of people are already experiencing a lot of discomfort in their lives in living in the city, right? And uh, I really don't want to say that we should add more discomfort just for the sake of having a good debate about uh, living together or something in the city. So um, I think so. Again, it should be about equalizing, like equally divining this kind of discomfort right like so taking away from the people who are experiencing a lot of discomfort and giving it to the people who are like have surrounded or excluded themselves from that uh, discomfort so it's about uh, equalizing this yeah that discomfort cannot be made as a normative issue somehow or you know like let's just put ourselves in the place of discomfort and actually i've met mentions that you know like somehow yeah to put yourself in the situation of discomfort already requires a position of privilege from you, you know? So it is just, um, as you mentioned it, it, it is not about making discomfort or a politics of discomfort as a normative issue, but rather to acknowledge that there is a discomfort that is already happening and that is producing at its expenses the comfort of certain other bodies um, or yeah, of uh, or that is yeah. relying on other, other comfortable privileged bodies. So, yeah, I really thank you for bringing that Rene. Yeah, exactly. Maybe to close off like final remark, I think what could also be, but it's also important to develop on that. There's also a paradox, right? That we, that somehow we all also need this kind of smooth city for its functionality, its cleanliness, and it's the hygiene <laughs> that it brings, right? So it's not about romanticizing uh, decay or dilapidation. I think that's also important to mention, but yeah, I think we can safely say that this smoothness uh, in many places has gone way too far, uh, especially if we look here, uh, here in Amsterdam, for example. So and acknowledging how the production of that smoothness is creating a lot of discomfort for others, maybe yeah, more than... Definitely. Yeah, not only how do we also experience discomfort, but how the production of all that smoothness is creating discomfort for us as well. Well, thank you very much for a super interesting conversation. And uh, yes, thank, thank you, you Renee. Thank you. It was great. Yeah.